Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. What's cracking? We have got kind of a different vibe to today's episode. We're not talking about ghosts. Um, we're not talking about spooky dolls. Spooky dolls. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I was on Netflix just looking, looking around for something to watch and saw this documentary called Take Care of Maya. Um, had never heard of it before, thought it sounded interesting, so I turned it on. I think it's relatively new. It just came out, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's new. Yeah. Wow. I was shocked. Um, I went in blind, and it's it's a ride. Um, so I hope everyone is ready. I've seen a couple of different people comment on it, but I don't actually know the premise of it. It's mm-hmm. just that people have just said, like, it's super heavy. You need yeah. to watch it. I know that it takes place at John Hopkins, uh, but down here with by us. Like, this is a local to us yes. story. Yes, so yeah. I actually did not know that going into this documentary. Oh. I, I didn't know where it was happening. And then they said Venice, Florida, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm in Sarasota. Um, these guys are here in, what would you consider this, Pal- Palmetto, Palmetto Parish, Parish. Er- area. Um, but Venice is... Spitting distance? It's, you know, 30 minutes from me. Yeah. A little bit longer for you guys, um, but very, very close. Um, And it would be considered Sarasota County. So that was really interesting to me when I heard the city. But anyways, um, Take Care of Maya is a documentary about um, this girl named Maya. She is the daughter of Jack and Beata Kowalski. She also has a little brother named Kyle. Um, So Maya... At around age nine, um, she had a severe asthma attack. Now, she had a history of asthma. This wasn't anything unusual for her, but this prompted her to go be seen in the ER. So she was treated for that. Everything was fine um, until it wasn't. She developed body aches, lethargy, or a a feeling of uh, exhaustion, tiredness, headaches, and difficulty walking. She had any neck pain? Uh, not that I know. Maybe like some general like malaise. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, uh, the symptoms that you were describing reminded me a lot of um, meningitis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the symptoms of meningitis would be very very similar, almost <laughs> yeah. if not exactly yeah. the same. Um, but yeah, along with that nuchal rigidity is what they they call that neck pain. <clears throat> but she continued to have these symptoms. Her parents were kind of baffled at at what was going on. It was really bizarre. She wasn't getting better, so they took her to a ton of different specialists, and she ended up seeing, uh, notably, Dr. Kirkpatrick, and he believed that she was suffering from something called CRPS. Do you guys know what that is? Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. No. No. So CRPS is a very rare disorder. It's a uh, complex regional pain syndrome. So this is something that can be triggered by nerve damage or illness or injury. So So her her asthma attack like triggered this, yes. Um, So and does this sound like this like this almost sounds like a like a fibromyalgia? It's just like a general they ruled everything out, and so now there's this like essentially right like this doesn't seem very specific to anything. So the doctor that she saw, um, because none of the other doctors knew what was going on, they kind of thought it's. Um, so like a som- psychosomatic kind of yeah. thing where it, it's more of like a psychiatric disorder. Yeah. 
Um, Where it's not actually happening. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, CRPS is commonly mistaken for that. It is. So I haven't watched this either, but uh, I've heard people talk about it because, like I said, it is it's local to this area. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we actually have a Facebook group for this area. And somebody was talking about the incident because it is so local that their kids are being treated at John Hopkins. Yes. the nurse that was there still worked there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. It's really rare, I, I heard. It's super rare, yes. Okay. So her, in her case, it was triggered by an inflammatory or an autoimmune disease. So asthma is an inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what triggered her CRPS, or that's believed what triggered her CRPS. Are you born with CRPS, and it's just something that doesn't get diagnosed unless it's brought on, or is it... Oh, you are not so, born with it. So technically, it could happen to anybody. It, it could, but again, very rare. Yeah, it rare. Um, it's kind of an exaggeration of, um, like, like a like uh, inflammatory disorder if you have like an injury that's another big reason um, that people develop crps Um, they believe that it's caused by like it's believed to be caused by damage to nerve cells okay that makes sense so most often though crps is triggered by an injury Uh, so a bone fracture would be a common trigger especially the wrist I'm not sure why. Interesting. I broke my wrist in high school. Mm-hmm. I have like residual problems. Yeah, I couldn't find find anything about why the wrist is, is so common, um, but especially the wrist. Interesting. Um, any kinds of surgeries, oh, sprains yeah, and strains. Aaron and I are checking off a lot of boxes <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> um, and then also burns, bruises, and cuts. So if you think about it. Um, you know, surgeries, they cut you open, that, that damage, you. yes, yeah. any kind of trauma yeah. to, your, to your body, to the nerves, um, is potentially a trigger for CRPS. Um, but in Maya's case, again, believed to be caused by the asthma attack that she had. People that have CRPS describe it as um, a touch, as light as a feather, feeling like being stabbed. Oh my. They are that sensitive to any kind of stimulus to the skin. What about like clothing and like water? I would assume, I mean, clothing, any touch on the skin, if, if it's is that. Is it only in the area that received the trauma or is it an all Everywhere. Thing? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Yep. So she sees Dr. Kirkpatrick and he believes that um, the best treatment for her would be ketamine. So I, I'm a nurse. I worked in Michigan before I came here. We, we as nurses were in the scope of practice to give ketamine in Michigan. In Florida, that is not in our scope of practice, so only physicians can give that. Um, but we gave ketamine f- for pain a lot. We do ketamine infusions wow. um, in the ER. When Cole was really little, off topic, he s- split his lip open mm-hmm. pretty bad. And he had to get uh, stitches. Yep. And the first time that they did stitches, they put like an uh, oral antiseptic and uh, mm-hmm. numbing agent on it. Yeah. And they stitched him up and he felt pretty much the entire thing. We ended up popping like two or three of the stitches. So the next morning we had to go back to the ER and get restitched. And they gave him ketamine uh, as essentially like a paralytic. He didn't we, actually paralyze him, but it made him so drowsy and like a yep. little drunken sailor. So we give ketamine a lot to our kids in the ER um, for like a laceration if they're not able to tolerate yeah. being stitched up. 
whether it's just it's their age they're they're too young and they're squirming around Mm -hmm. or if they are a little bit older but it's a a a bone that needs to be reset Mm -hmm. um we give ketamine to the kids um most often i can't even recall an instance where we were not giving ketamine for um sedation for children for that kind of injury give it if someone is Acting a fool. Yep, they get they get some ketamine, Um, but ketamine is actually a dissociative drug, Um, so it's gonna do a little bit drowsy. Um, Well, it numbs you to pretty much everything around you, right? So it it makes you dissociate, so you don't remember. Oh, so you feel it, you just don't remember feeling it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh god, that's and and with with ketamine. We try to always have people be in their best mindset when we're giving it, because especially kids, if, if they're not in a good mindset, they can come out of it swinging and traumatized. I've, I saw it once, um, the, the child's, this was back in Michigan, we gave him ketamine, probably for a broken bone, and he had a history of some, some pretty bad trauma. And he came out of it scared as hell, paranoid, that's a very, almost a little bit agitated. Yes, that's a very dangerous combination. So children. that can happen a lot. But if, if you get the people in the right mindset, like, yeah. you, you know, you're not, we always say, what's your favorite thing to do? Um, imagine you're on the beach. Your, your favorite music is playing. You know, you're eating your favorite food. Like, we try to get people in this, this mindset um, because, again, it is a dissociative. People can go to really scary places yeah. if we don't, you know, try to prepare them. But, again, if they have that history of trauma, there is a chance that they're going to have a bad... Um, Not trip, but, like... Yeah. Reaction. Yeah. And yeah. I, I had ketamine once. I feel like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking back because I'm pretty sure I was one of those kids that came out swinging. Yeah. From my tonsillectomy. I mean, they had to have nurses hold me down. They were shoving lollipops down my throat mm-hmm. and icicles. And I mean, I was. Do they give ketamine pissed. for tonsillectomies, though? I thought that that was like a general anesthetic when you go under for. Well, when I went in, I was so. De- I was okay. so they had to, to get you down. They had to sedate me before I even left to go into the OR because mm-hmm. gotcha. I was not having it. Yeah. That would, ketamine would make and sense for that. And I was. My mom said it. She could see me on the side door, and I was screaming bloody murder. Mm-hmm. It was, like, the worst thing. There were several nurses, and I just remember trying to be held down, and I was just, but I don't quite remember. Because when you say that, like, I kind of remember some of the nurses, but at the same point in time, I don't remember some of them. My mom said it was one of the worst things as a parent mm-hmm. she has ever experienced. Yeah. And she said it was awful. Mm-hmm. And they thought that I turned out I was also allergic to Oh, that doesn't help. No. So I feel like there's probably a lot of combinations on that. One, yeah. yeah. So I had I had ketamine once. I get migraines. Uh, this was back in Michigan where they give it, I would say, pretty commonly yeah. uh, for for migraines or headaches. Um, I got an injection in my leg. I had the worst trip of my life. <laughs> it was awful. I was in a dark room alone. And no one was with me. That's wrong start number one, I mean. I felt like my limbs weighed a thousand pounds. I felt like yeah. I couldn't move. I felt like they were like like 
cement blocks like holding my limbs down like I could not move I was just looking around the room I felt helpless it it was it was terrible and I still had a fucking migraine (laughs) I walked out (laughs) with a prescription for Norco and a prescription for for my migraine medication so all of that for nothing but it it really does help people and especially in in Maya's case it, it it did end up helping her quite a bit um so she does ketamine in the small doses and it didn't really work for her so the doctor had an idea he said let's try a ketamine coma this is where they have you consistently on ketamine to the point where you're like in a coma i'm not sure if there's other drugs involved there i mean there has to be for getting someone intubated because you can't just intubate an awake person um so again i'm not sure if there's like other drugs involved in her coma um so so she was in the coma i believe it was for six days but the the usual regimen is five days so she took an extra day um on the ketamine coma and this is only available in mexico oh okay so they they Flew her down to Mexico to have this done. Yeah. Based um, off of this doctor's recommendation yes. here in Florida. Yes. Okay. Flew her down to Mexico. Okay. So now we're really getting into um, So that was in November of 2015. Went to Mexico, had the ketamine coma, took her tube out, and got her back to her normal self. And she felt better. She could walk. Um, she could eat. She wasn't having nearly as much pain. So this really, really, re- it reset her. It, it worked for her. In theory, like it worked, yeah. Um, so they get back to Florida. They realize, you know, we can't really afford this doctor anymore. He's a specialist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting expensive. So they asked for a referral, and Dr. Kirkpatrick referred them to Dr. Hannah, who prescribed her again low doses of ketamine which we know from before that didn't really work for her ways that that is what they tried um she was taking ketamine um every, every day um, so in october she's nine yes Shit. Mm-hmm. so very young in october of 2016 uh, maya got sick again and this is this is common with CRPS. You can have instances of uh, being relapse. great, yes, and then uh, the relapses. Yeah. Um, so in October, she had a relapse. She was, uh, you know, at home, it just screaming out in agony. So, of course, the parents took her to the ER, and this was John Hopkins' okay. ER. The provider felt uncomfortable giving her that medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and... As a nurse, I, I can understand that. It's, it's not something to mess around with. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's a lot of ketamine. Like. Yes. And that was their, their biggest issue. The mom, uh, Beata, she said, you know, this is my daughter. I know her. She requires this much. She does well on higher doses. She needs more. And, and the doctors, they just weren't, they weren't comfortable with that. Um, with ketamine, there's a risk of, of heart failure, respiratory failure. Things can go very, very Especially badly. Especially a growing small body. Yes. I mean, 
Yes. It's one thing for an adult for you to wreck yourself, but it's mm-hmm. another for a small child. Yeah. I mean, a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you also, you kind of have to take a step aside from that and what kind of life is she going to have after the fact? Like, if, if she requires such a high dose at this point, mm-hmm. yeah. 10, 15, 20 years down the road, like, what would your dosage be Yeah. to continue treatment? Exactly. Like, you definitely have to find an alternative. Mm-hmm. A balance, even. And there's there's more treatments for CRPS. There's physical therapy. Um, I'm sure there's other kind of medications that can be tried. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the ketamine is just, it, it's what worked for Maya and her parents knew that. And they, they, I can see both sides, yeah, parents yeah. advocating for their child, but I can also see as, as a healthcare worker yeah. in the ER that, especially here in Florida, where we're mostly giving it for, um, conscious sedations, you know, broken bones yeah, yeah. or where it's not psychiatric their, patients. Yeah. Where it's not part of their regular treatment. Yes. It's, for it's pain. For, for extenuating circumstances. Yes. Yes. Right. Beata, who is Maya's mother, was acting belligerent, demanding, and controlling. These are words used by the staff there okay. in the John Hopkins ER. Um, and she was acting this way because she was She's not getting the response yeah. yes because she she knew in her heart this is this is what my child needs get that and then getting pushback from from the staff there saying we don't feel comfortable doing that there's a liability you, you know that that we have yeah. and so i it's it's I'm just scared. a really tough I don't even know what I would that's do. why i think it's inter- like i don't have kids you guys have kids so, but i'm a nurse so i like it's just yeah. kind of like a fine line is how it is Chime in for a second. Um, after watching this, have you formed your own opinion on what was right versus wrong or what should have been done versus not been done, considering you do have the background of being a nurse? Ooh, that's a great question. You don't so, have to answer it this second if you are going to answer it later, but I would be curious if you formed an opinion since watching it. I, you know, it's, it's hard because there's a lot more that we're going to dive into. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say we... We have legal obligations Absolutely. as healthcare workers. And I've been both. I'm a parent and I was formerly a healthcare worker. So it, it is, it's I really difficult be, because I can see both sides. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I, because of what happens in this story, I empathize with uh, Maya's family okay. a lot. Because wow. I do, I firmly believe in being an advocate for my patients. I think parents should be advocates for their children. I think wives and husbands should be advocate Absolutely. advocates. Right. There there's certain things that well, I have a question. Why couldn't they have treated her at this point and then said, yes, we're not comfortable. Yes, we don't need the right doses, but let's get her to the point where she's good again and then explore new avenues. Why wait until she's in a relapse and miserable before we have this conversation of what's the next step? Like what can we do to manage it so she, when she's good? So she was doing well right. on the low-dose ketamine for a while until she had that relapse. Mm. Um, what caused the relapse? I'm not really sure. And it, is it one of those things where, like, not everybody relapses, too? You could have one bout of it. and Yes. Oh. Because that would make it really hard to consecutively treat. Too, exactly. If she's doing so well, mm-hmm. you don't know if she's going to relapse, so you're not going to start treating for a relapse mm-hmm. until she relapses. Exactly. Okay. Um, but at the hospital, they do end up admitting her mm-hmm. um, to the pediatric floor. And they do start her on, um, I believe it was l- some low-dose ketamine. Yep. 
admitted to the pediatric ICU, started on low-dose ketamine. Beata is still angry that she's getting the low-dose ketamine and not the, the that level she that she believes that her daughter needs okay. to, to be better. Understandable. So she, she's angry. She's threatening to leave. She's threatening to take her daughter out of the hospital, which, again, I, I can get that side. But as a nurse, when it gets to that behavior, um, we have to take a step back and really look at all sides of the situation. we got to think about what's in the best interest of the child. And if the child's exactly. not in a position to, to leave or be transported or, I mean, you're in an emergency room. Like oh. you don't just go to an emergency room. Mm-hmm. You go to an emergency room because you need help in that moment. Yes. And so if you start being treated in the emergency room, they're treating the immediate issue that's happening. Especially someone who has chronic issues. Mm-hmm. As my husband hates doctors and he's very pushy to get out of like the hospital like if he's been admitted for anything like mm-hmm. he's ready to go when he's ready to go yeah but by that point like he's not in emergency care he is you know under you know admitted into like whatever floor he's on for whatever mm-hmm. the issue is like yeah. completely different than somebody who is in dire need that moment right there like mm-hmm. you're only going to transport or allow that patient to leave if you absolutely have to mm-hmm. So in, in my situation, the, the healthcare workers didn't feel like it was safe right. for her to go. Yeah. Um, and they questioned if, if Maya was being abused. So we are mandated reporters mm-hmm. as healthcare workers. So and no if there's any suspicion, this is killing me, if there's any suspicion yeah. of child abuse, we have to report it. Yeah, I mean... And I would want you to. Yeah. In that moment, as a parent, hell no, do I. I want my kid yeah. fixed and all of that. But at the same point in time, I'd rather you have somebody calling on me who I am a good parent. Mm-hmm. And it just be like, hey, this, I was just stressed out in the situation. Then it exactly. be something way more yes. that got missed. Yeah. So and it, it ended up being something way more. Too. So they, they called, we have a DCF mm-hmm. here in Florida, um, but it's basically child, it's child protective services. Yeah. So... They called DCF, and I believe it was Dr. Dr. Sally Smith. She is the medical director of Child Protection Services, or the Child Protective Team um, at All Children's. So they have one on site. They do, which I thought was interesting. Well, but, it, but it's, it's a bigger. A it's, yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It yeah. does. It does. So. <clears throat> The that doctor he went and saw Maya, mm-hmm. and um, she kind of did an evaluation. And she, in her records, wrote down that she believed um, that Maya was suffering from Munchausen by proxy. Shut up. Yes. So that is in her legal records that she believed that uh, Beata was making up her daughter's illness uh, for attention, which is essentially what Munchausen by proxy is um, in a nutshell. So that's that's your first introduction to Dr. Smith. It's it's not. um, And there's there's a lot of backlash about this particular doctor and and the way she went about things. but because isn't there a protocol for this? Because I mean, it can get it can go from bad to like 
really extremely off the deep end in, in such a short time because well Munchausers is one of those things where you can't like formally diagnose it by things like because you can't just sit there and be like oh well the patient says that they're in pain but no there's nothing wrong with them on the test so they have to be lying and the thing it's is like hypochondria dr smith she's not a psychiatrist I, I don't think. I don't think she is. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. if you want to look it up. Sally Smith? Dr. Sally Smith. But usually a psychiatrist would be making this kind of diagnosis. That's a really good point. I hadn't really considered the fact that she's just the director of CPS, and that is usually a psychiatry diagnosis. Yeah. Did, did she consult with anybody, or did she just kind Not of that I saw in the documentary. Oh, boy. Okay, this is... So she believed that the mom was over-medicating Maya and that Maya's pain was psychological. So she didn't really really believe that this was CRPS. She believed it was, you know, more of like a psychosomatic kind of thing. Yeah. And the mom was just kind of digging into that um, for attention. Parents were forced to leave. Uh, is uh, now at the hospital by herself in the custody of the, the hospital, essentially. Going to court. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure, but regardless. Former medical director for Pinellas County Children's Protective Services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it so doesn't like say. So, like, she was this whole thing. But it doesn't say medical what director. Her, yeah, but it doesn't say what her medical degrees are. That, yeah. I'm finding that, too. Uh, okay, so. But yeah, regardless. You, you touch, yeah, regardless I mean, of in, in any, you know, you touch a little bit on every single subject, but at the same point in time, I would think you'd want to consult with a full-blown medical... I yeah, I would agree with that. So and so psychiatry. Yeah, and it yeah. sounded like there were there were a lot of issues with this particular doctor. So this wasn't oh, this anything isn't... new. She. When I was just looking up to see like what her uh, essentially different medical degrees were, mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't finding anything. Uh, but it did say that there's a lot of instances of her harsh interrogation yes. methods um, that in turn led to a lot of false accusations and caregivers and mm -hmm. family members being acquitted and considered innocent. Um, yeah. There's a lot Whoa. of lawsuits. Mm -hmm. It looked like they were dropped. That's not the direction I thought she was about to go in any capacity. <laughs> yeah, so she's had Much some issues. Is, it's a very serious, like... It is. Allegation. It, it definitely is. Yeah, and I mean, like... That bothered a, a lot of people that she was jumping to conclusions like that. Yeah. But anyways, she, you know, she was the medical director of the protective team, so they kind of just went with it. And, you know, legally at this point, the, the parents can't be yeah, can't around either, yeah. Maya. Until they're cleared or exactly of what they're being. Mm -hmm. And it's not, her, her dad could still see her. Okay. Um, the mom could not. I mean, that just be... What about the brother? I... Is that known? That might not be known. That might not have been I'm not sure in the documentary if I... I know there was a couple of clips of the dad going to the hospital and seeing her, mm -hmm. but I don't remember if the brother was ever with. He could have been. I'm just not remembering. The, the first phase of court was the shelter phase, and that happened in mid-October of 2016. Um, essentially, this is the judge deciding where the child stays. I found it. Oh, you did? Yeah, so she has a board certification of pediatrics in general, just an American Board of Pediatrics. Her education is um, medical education. She went to St. Louis University of School of Medicine, 
Her internship was pediatrics at USFA All Children's. Her residency was uh, pediatrics as well in Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. And her fellowship was at ambulatory pediatrics in Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. So she may not necessarily have a, but she's very pediatric based, not psychiatry. Everything that I'm hearing on there, it sounds like it's just a general Her specialty is pediatrics. Yeah. Okay. All right, continue. Okay, so first phase, shelter phase. The judge is deciding where Maya will stay. Um, They basically go over the allegations and go over the report from uh, CPS or DCF here in Florida. The judge declares a no-contact order between Maya and her mother. I understand why they do that because they they need to take her out of the equation to see if anything changes. Mm -hmm. That's a really tough call to make. Yeah. All right, continues. I don't know if I could do it. And Beata struggled with not being able um i I think eventually she was able to talk on the phone Mm -hmm. with her daughter um but never in private there was a social worker present there at all times for phone calls which does make sense again you gotta take something out of the equation to test a hypothesis Mm -hmm. yeah so the the judge makes this calling that there's a no contact order uh beata collapses in court, I mean, in the courtroom. I absolutely I would. would. Too. Yep, absolutely would. If my child was in the hospital and I could not, absolutely. Yep, um, she's okay. She just she collapses and right. And I mean, just pure shock. shock out of yes. That too. I mm-hmm. mean, you're telling me I can't see my kid. Like I birthed that baby. Like, yeah. That's my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's my kid. Yeah. No. So obviously, Beata and her husband, Jack, I had to look up his name again, um, are in a lot of emotional distress over this. Um, With understandably their kid so. In the hospital, yes. Still to boot. Yes. That's just so. That's so much. So, Maya is now in the custody of uh, D- DCF at the hospital, mm-hmm. and Beata is deemed to need a psychiatric evaluation yeah, uh, to okay. determine if she has Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. Again, like I said, you gotta rule out all. Yeah. Of the gotta options, go through all the sure. avenues, especially if you're taking the step of taking the mother out of the equation. Exactly. You need to test the other portions of the equation. And and you want to know? You want to guess what they determined? She was psychologically fine. So she was not psychologically fine, but she, the the psychiatric evaluation did not show signs that she had Munchausen by proxy. No. Um, but what they did determine was that she had an adjustment disorder with a depressed mood, which, no shit. Sh- shocking, you took her child away. No kidding. An ill, a severely, chronically ill child yes. that you have now devoted your life to, and then someone comes in. And they're like, nope, can't see your baby anymore. Makes this allegation, and then the court just says, sorry, tough luck. Yeah. So, that's done. No much housing by proxy. Um... In the meantime, Maya, she's getting worse. Per her dad. Per her dad and per her. Dr. Smith is saying that she's improving. What? In her documents, she's saying that Maya is getting better. She's eating. She's, you know, moving moving around. She's walking down the hallways. But this is not the case for for her father that is able to see yeah, he, her and for Maya, who has spoken on this herself. I mean, yeah, she's she's of, of age to be able to say, like, this I is think not she, really happening. She's six, 
16, 17, she's in her teens now. Oh, so and she spoke about this in the documentary. Mind. She said, no, yeah. I was not. I, I was miserable. I couldn't see my mother. She, I, she said I was locked in this room. I couldn't see my family. She was having an extremely difficult time emotionally, physically. Um, Mentally? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. You're stuck in a, ho- in a hospital room. A hotel room. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm that. Oh. Hospital room by yourself mm-hmm. as a scared child. Yep. Oh, at at nine, she, I don't know if she's 10 at this point. This goes over the course of her being nine and 10. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Levi would absolutely struggle. My own kid would struggle with that. And that's if we left him for an hour. Mm-hmm. days, months, whoever knows how long this court order is. Right. Oh, Jesus. So she had a social worker that was assigned to sit with her. Mm-hmm. Her name was Kathy. Who's telling Kathy did her job? <laughs> Kathy was kind of a piece of work. Oh. <laughs> Nicely, she sounds <laughs> yeah. right hand man. Nicely put. So, Kathy, she apparently was previously arrested for child abuse. Oh, Jesus Christ. As a social worker at a pediatric hospital. How do you have a job? The what? charges were dropped. Apparently, she had, I, I don't know the circumstances around this. I don't know if the child was having some sort of, like, breakdown or, or or what happened you can't speak fact on it because exactly i what the we just yes. know that she's a... she th- so this child was on the ground she put her knees on the chest of this child and like sat on him excuse me yeah i'd be going to jail i'd go to jail no no doubt about but that. the charges were dropped so there she still works at a pediatric hospital after right. she did this to a pediatric patient and john hopkins didn't think hmm i understand that the charge was dropped but in all their pr cases of anything what? it's kind of shocking it, it, it's very shocking that's that i was surprised mm-hmm. you get allegated in anything in, in your yeah I feel like people get fired for a lot less oh my gosh yeah yeah i was really shocked to to hear that um but per maya that this is what kathy said that her her mom was in a mental hospital and that she was going to adopt her. Excuse So she's me? lying to Maya, saying her mom's in a psychiatric hospital. How do you tell a child what? this when dad's still clearly... I literally like said... Mom. I said lifetime movie vibes. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. How is this real? How is this Why real? Why do you think that, that would even help the situation? Like, you've already got this scared child, you know, a 9, 10-year-old mm-hmm. in there who's terrified. who's not allowed to see her family. You think it's going to make her feel better by saying, like, oh, I'm going to continue taking you away from your family, and I'm going to adopt you, and you're mm-hmm. going to be mine. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Sweet Jesus. Lifetime movie. Yeah. And I'm not done with Kathy. No. She also took pictures of Maya. No. Without consent from Maya or her family, which is Disgusting illegal. on every single level. There were pictures high. for the case. I think she, Maya was in a sports bra and like some, like, I don't know if it was underwear or shorts or something, but she was taking pictures for, for the case. Well, that, you can't, you can't do that. do that. No. Well, and regardless, even if she did get Maya's permission, Maya's 9 or 10, you can't consent you can't. to that No, age. you can't. You have to have your legal guardian, a parent, whoever is in charge of you, and even being in the custody of the state, like, mm-hmm. your dad was not yes. restricted from seeing you. Like, he still technically would mm-hmm. be your caregiver. 
Maya speaks on okay. this, and she said, "I felt completely violated. I'm violated. Sure. Yes. Oh, I mean, Jeez. that's beyond helpless, and that just has. To, I mean, that poor girl's state of mind in that moment. Mm-hmm. At, at nine, ten years cares. old. Yeah. Alone with this woman. Oh yeah. my gosh. Every day. I mean, I'm sure not every day, but well, most but often, yeah, this yeah, is the caseworker that yeah. was assigned to her. Enough that it's, you know, causing, yes. causing, you know, issues down the road. So that's Kathy. Just a little blurb you on Kathy. Like a peach, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you yeah. said something like, you know, like, can we kick her? Kathy, I, mean, I don't know like... what you got going on, but you got to figure your shit out. <clears throat> that's an understatement. Um, all right. So... Jack, this is kind of like off on a little tangent, but Jack ended up giving a recorded statement to um, one of the detectives at the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office uh, regarding this case. Um, And and he says, I I didn't know this was being recorded and I did not give consent to being recorded. I don't know the legality like behind that because his wife is in a criminal situation. I don't know if they have to tell him like well, legally. So if, if they're trying to use anything against court uh, with him, mm-hmm. spouses aren't legally required to testify against each other. It's actually illegal yeah. for them to testify because spousal privilege is a thing. You can't because yeah. it's hearsay. Well, he told me this. That's hearsay. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do that. Yeah, so he... he, Everything that I've heard... So I listen to a few other podcasts that are, like, Mm -hmm. research-based. And so they do a lot of interviews with people while they're investigating cases, a lot of true crime stuff. Yeah. Um, And if somebody specifically says, like, hey, I don't want to be recorded, like, they physically cannot record them. If the person gives permission to use what was transcribed mm-hmm. but doesn't want their voice being used or their name being used all of that is supposed to be excluded it's whatever the person consents to and i think jack just thought he was having a conversation with one of these oh. officers wow um but should he be, it should be inadmissible in court though regardless because you're being i would recorded. assume so yes and, but okay. the, the damning evidence is you may not and, know to court but at the same point in time they can take it and run with it in any and he honestly did not say anything that would have been of value, yeah. really. Oh, I mean, I can imagine because mm-hmm. if, you know, if she is innocent, like, mm-hmm. nothing they says is going to change the fact that she's innocent. Exactly. Like, so It's a lot easier to incriminate somebody that's actually guilty than somebody right. that's not. Yeah. So he ends up saying um, that Beata would never hurt the children. Mm-hmm. He's very adamant about this, that she would never, ever, ever hurt them. Um, but she has been kind of pushy. With the hospital staff. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think anyone Anybody, could agree with that. Absolutely. It's, it's called Mama Bear. Yeah. Um, but he said, if it if it did come to it, that he would choose his children over his that. wife. I get that. If he needed to. Yeah. I mean, like that's like an ultimate like last resort. Mm-hmm. My kids need me. My wife yes. will be there when they're 18. Yes. I get that. I do, you know, I, rock in a hard place. Holy crap, but I get it. But that's about the extent of what the documentary covered about what he said. It really wasn't anything damning. I he right. was trying to make it out to more than what he's being honest. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I think they wanted him to incriminate her. Yes, exactly. Say something that he shouldn't have. Just to and I think I think that's why they included this in the documentary, just to kind of show the tactics that they were going. Yes, exactly. To trying to prove their their point. Yes. Um, there was also a point, um, it was another court case. I didn't write this down, so I'm just remembering this. 
um, from the couple of weeks ago when I watched it. But they at a court case. The lawyer asked the judge, you know, please, will you just let Beata go see her daughter? Right. Please. She's desperate to see her child. Just make an exception. It can be... From behind glass at this point. Like just, yeah, it like can be... Anything. What's the word I'm looking for? When someone's, like, supervised. Yeah. Supervised, got it. Um, the, judge said, the judge said no. Hang on, and any as Beata is not anywhere near her daughter, is she getting better? No. Yeah. No, per that, per yeah, dad same. and per Maya, she is not oh, getting better. Per the, right. per the doctor, doctor she supposedly oh, is. Crap. But if you need to uh, prove your point, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to write things down on paper. Exactly. If you don't have to prove it. Mm-hmm. We are now on to January 8th of 2017. This is hard to listen to. So I just want you guys to be prepared. Okay. Okay. Um, so the the family, obviously minus Maya, was supposed to go to a birthday party. Um, Beata said that she was going to skip it. She wasn't really feeling well. She had a migraine. And at this time, is she still in the hospital? Maya's still, Maya's still in the hospital. Yeah. This is shortly after the judge said that. The rules of no contact order. Yes, and said that you can absolutely not, even just for a moment, go see your daughter. Whew. Okay. So, Kyle and Jack. I think I know where this is going. Oh, my God. Yep. Kyle and Jack, who is her brother, went to the party. And when they got back, um, Beata's door was closed, so they just assumed that she was sleeping in the room. Uh, the night goes on. Um, Beata's still, quotations, you know, sleeping in the room is what they thought. Um her, her brother ends up showing up. I'm not sure why. Beata's brother? Yeah. Okay. I, the documentary didn't say. Like, I don't know why he showed up. Um, I don't know if they called him, like, saying, like, you know, just come over. Or I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, the brother's, like, looking around. I don't know if he just had some, like, sixth sense. Um, but he goes into the garage, and all Kyle and Jack can hear is a scream trigger warning you guys I'm like shaking um Beata had hung herself so her husband calls 911 and they played the audio in the documentary oh that'd be heartbreaking it was awful it was so hard to listen to because you can hear the panic the pain and you can hear Kyle's screaming who was her son as somebody that's been on the receiving end of that phone call, that's, that's a hard one. For yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah, she wrote a note, which I have a little excerpt on my phone here. She said, Please take care of Maya and tell her how much I love her every day. I'm sorry, but I no longer can take the pain being away from Maya and being treated like a criminal. That was just part of the the note that she wrote before she committed suicide. I mean, how could you? There's no end to you. I mean, I being everyone was making her out to be abusing her daughter. Dark place, yeah. I just, I I don't know. Yep. (laughs) I hope the family filed a wrongful death lawsuit. That's my next. My next little topic here. 
Um, and I also have the National Suicide Prevention Hotline Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. And the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is uh, call or text to 988 if anyone is having thoughts of suicide. Um, but ultimately, it was shockingly proven that Maya, in fact, did have CRPS. And she was released into her father's custody. Oh, my gosh. If only it could have. Yeah. How do you tell mm-hmm. her? Holy shit, I can't even imagine what this poor family has gone through. So she's, you know, back with her dad and her brother. Um, the The major stipulation was that she could not have uh, ketamine therapy anymore. Excuse me? What? Yep. Yep. After all So this was this... all taking place in 2017? Um, well, 20, 2016 to 2017. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but like this right here, like the mom, like she gets released back into the dad's custody in 2017. Yes. This 2023. Mm-hmm. How is she doing now? So Maya is doing okay. Um, in the documentary, she had said that she's doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. She's doing physical therapy. Um, she went initially after this whole situation went from wheelchair to crutches to walking. So wow. she is walking around now. She's doing well at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, she could relapse at any time. Yeah. That's the nature of CRPS. But at as of. Point, she's like what? Six, six years ago. It started in 2015 when she was nine. 2015 to now would be eight years. So she'd be 17. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Family filed a lawsuit against John Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Damn straight. I mean, <clears throat> they're suing for two hundred and twenty million dollars in damages. Yes. Um, and the the trial date is September eleventh of this year. Whoa. They had pushed off the trial several times. Well, COVID and then mm-hmm. this and then that. So finally, now we we do have a date. That is the date. And I'm hopefully, a little shocked by that, and here's why: because most of the time, you can't say anything about your lawsuits. Most of the time, you can't speak of your lawsuits. So, mm-hmm. let alone to have a huge documentary like this, yeah, which it has blown up in our area pretty significantly. Like I said, it's just released because like it's just, a couple it's weeks here. Now. Yeah, and it's it's here, so everybody is. I mean, I've taken my kid to John Hopkins for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't even imagine so that's also what's kind of surprising is the fact that the trial and all of this hasn't happened and yet this documentary is out and i'm grateful for it because Mm -hmm. there are so many people and parents that can go in armed with the knowledge of unfortunately a very bad situation but knowing that and advocate for your kid Mm -hmm. without necessarily having this fear and these repercussions yeah because it is out there Mm -hmm. but that's really surprising and you know it's going to get pushed off again because of this this documentary i'm sure of it they're going to use some way of it but i also understand not being able to as as maya like Mm -hmm. i couldn't imagine not just keeping my tongue straight like you're not going to tell me to shut up Mm -hmm. you've wrecked my life holy christ i guess it would just depend on where the lawsuit is so the documentary doesn't necessarily talk about the lawsuit i would imagine it's more so about the leading up to why there's a lawsuit Mm -hmm. but not the actual lawsuit and that's probably how they can skirt around it so it might not get pushed off i would imagine that a lot of it was being pushed off because of covid um and then just 
probably internal investigations, truthfully, um, especially with her having like a lot of previous accusations and situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot. I I hope for Ooh. the family that they're able to get the the justice that they deserve, and yeah. they can and, and, all and what is justice when best. your mom is yeah dead. it heals best as they physically can mm-hmm. from a situation that's not something that you can fully heal from yeah you know, on top of dealing with like you know a chronic illness illness mm-hmm. a you're pain dealing illness to boot. you're yeah. dealing with the fact that your mother was taken from you because of somebody else's actions yes. like it, it's survivor's guilt mm-hmm. I, oh I'm sure of, the whole family things. yeah there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I could see would play a lot of, a big factor in the their healing process yeah so. I hope so they get the justice I kind of go in a weird direction and I'm a little bit weird like this can I go in the direction of like okay how does Dr. Sally Smith live with herself how do you you know what I mean like mm-hmm. do you have guilt do you think about this every day or is this just another one of those instances where it's just like shrug your shoulders and call it a day yeah I mean, granted, I'm sure her career is rightfully destroyed. However, if I believe, I mean, if I, uh, I'm thinking correctly from what I've read and heard, like I said, I didn't, I haven't brought myself to watch this yet, but like I've heard a lot of people talk about it. She is still on the staff at John Hopkins, by the way, on their website. (laughs) I believe she just retired. Yeah. I believe it was something that like they, she just retired retired air quotes around retired yeah but i I believe that just happened and that's when this documentary came in i could be wrong but that's somebody that's told me that i wonder if there's anybody that's had any interactions with her as a medical director at john hopkins in between when the documentary came out but after this whole situation well the documentary just came out right my point so like there was what two five years in there in 2017 2015 tw- yeah but then in 2017 she went home so like was does anyone have any interactions from 2017 to oh, 2022 sure. with dr sally smith that were just as horrible you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's how big possible. does this go because 2017 to now i mean that's a long time and in the medical field i mean that's a blink of an eye but it's also a long time and you can see so many people mm-hmm. So what it says is it says uh, Smith declined to film for the documentary and retired from her position last year. Despite this, however, she was still listed as an independent practitioner with Johns Hopkins, All Children's Hospital, and the Bayfront Medical Center. Oh, Bayfront. Dang. I've been there, too. I've been there with Levi. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really interesting to to see that this was all going on at John Hopkins. And I've, I've never been there. Um, but we send a lot of transfers. If, if the we kids are really sick, we send them. And that's it's nothing there. to say about the, um, the, staff. the staff there. Right. You know, but it's just interesting to know that all of this happened there. All of this could happen at the hospital that I work at. It's just... You never know. No, so you don't. It really just makes you take a step back. I was just kind of like looking a little bit more into it and something just caught my caught my like attention. Mm-hmm. It says that Beata, uh, Maya's mom, was a nurse herself. Shut up. Is that I, Did they touch on that? In I, the, about, I might have wrote that down. Did I? It just makes you curious You're because of how much right. of an advocate she was being. Like it kind of leads a little bit more 
into the fact that she sense. was being an advocate and because not. Because she knew what she was You're talking about. You're probably right. It's just something that caught my attention as I'm like reading this and that's what it said. Yeah, it was just on that story. Not that... Yeah, so a very tragic story. Yeah. But I just thought there should be some more light on it. And again, it was a really interesting documentary. If you want to check it out, it's called Take Care of Maya on Netflix. And my heart goes out to this family. This is absolutely devastating. And I hope that they're able to get some sort of closure. Closure. Yes, that's that's a great word from from this this court case that's going to happen in, in September and I just hope the best for them because they I mean even at the very end of the documentary it, it shows them you know getting ready for for a, a case and this is was to determine like whether or not they were gonna push it off or like mm-hmm. move forward and they were all just I have never seen such a sad mm-hmm. set of people they were you can just see the defeat in their eyes and to have to deal with that as you know a 16 17 year old her brother is younger than her I'm not sure what his age is Um, and then for the dad you know now he's a single dad and has to take care of two children that have gone through an extreme trauma while dealing with his trauma Mm -hmm. I feel for them and And dealing with trauma as an adult and then also trying to help your child cope with their trauma is really mm-hmm. difficult. And two children. Yeah, yeah. I, was, two children. I was literally just about to say, I can't even imagine doing it for two children who are going to process trauma mm-hmm. and everything just so different. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, still having one that has a chronic illness that they're mm-hmm. going to deal with for the rest of their life. Like, that was a tough one. Sorry, guys. We went, went a little dark today, but I thought it was... Absolutely needed. I mean, thought we, it was a, a story that needed just, to be told. Yeah. That's why there's a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I don't want to go with, like, my eyes all super puffy. But, yeah, I'll be watching that very soon. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. And tune in next week for our next episode. We'll probably be back more on our normal spooky side yeah maybe yeah, sure maybe we'll see i i've got a i got something lined up and Ooh. it yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like it's it's spooky but it's also like true crime it's it's a solid mix of the two so we look forward to telling you guys the story thanks guys bye. see you next bye. week bye